Well, good morning. How's it going? Howdy. Howdy. There it is. Yeah. Howdy. <laughs> if you guys can turn to Acts chapter 18, that's right before the book of Romans and right after the gospel of John. And we will be starting verse 1 of Acts chapter 18. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God whose house was next to the synagogue. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believes in the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, when they heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, you are awesome, and you are so good. You have uh, just blessed us so mightily this year, Lord. And I pray for these words right now from Acts chapter 18. Lord, I pray that my words would be your words and use me as a vessel to speak truth today. And uh, we ask things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you may be wondering um, how, many, how many interns there are at Grace Bible Church. Well, there's actually 13 in the college ministry alone. You also may be wondering why Trey Corey is not up here. Well, Trey actually had his second child, um, Coulter Corey, uh, last Tuesday at 7.25 a.m., and they were just so excited, and Trey, is, and Trey and Marcy are just taking care of that little one, and I'm sure they're kind of in over their heads, so that's why I'm up here today, and it's such an honor to be up here in front of you today. So, But today is Senior Sunday, and I don't think it's any coincidence, I think it's a great awesome thing that there's a new life in Trey Corey's and Marcy's life, uh, Coulter, but you guys as seniors, you're about to go start a new phase of your life, and the life of Colt Corey is just such a, a beautiful thing, and I think you guys are in such similar places, it's not, it's not a coincidence at all, and Colt is going to grow up, you know, in six or seven years, Colt is going to be asked a question that many of you get asked all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up, and Colt may say, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be, I want to be a policeman. And um, before you know it, Colt's going to be going to college, and he's going to choose a major, and that may be businessman administration, historian like myself, or an engineer like many of you guys who are really gifted at math, and I'm not gifted at math. And, um, but you guys, you seniors, you're going to be graduating, you're going to walk the stage, you're going to shake Dr. Lofton's hand, and people are still going to ask you that question, what are you going to do after college, what are you going to be when you grow up? Um, people ask me that question. I'm graduated. I graduated last August, and people ask me, Roger, what are you going to do after your first year of internship? And I say, well, I'm going to be a second year. Hopefully, that will just uh, negate any more questions because it's such a, a repeated question that comes my way. And then they ask again, what are you going to do after the second year internship? And I'm just getting really frustrated by then. And I say, I'm probably going to be a missionary. And then what do you know? They ask me the same question. What are you going to be doing after missionary? And you think they get the idea. I'm thinking about doing vocational ministry as a career. 
but uh, I probably should just say I'm thinking about doing vocational ministry. Um, <laughs> um, but you guys may be, you seniors may be feel like you're a, you're a captive on, on a pirate ship. You're like on a, on a plank and Blackbeard's pushing you off into the sea and there's sharks everywhere and you're scared out of your minds. You guys may be over here. Um, you have a nice job in Dallas or Houston and you're ready to become the next Tony Stark of the world. Um, <laughs> But you guys also, most of you, like myself, when you graduated college, you're somewhere right in the middle. You're nervous, but you're also excited about the possibility. You're excited, and you're just waiting for that day to come when you have that first day at work. Um, But there's a need for all of you. There's a need for the scared and the the brave alike, the courageous, and the people in the middle. There's a need for smart, young, trained professionals like you in the workplace. But I'd argue that there's even a greater need for young, passionate Christians in the workplace today. So whether you're graduating or not, whether you're scared or brave, um, I think there's five points that we can get from this passage in Acts chapter 18. And just to give you guys a little context, Paul is on his second missionary journey. He's coming from northern Macedonia down to Athens to Corinth, and he is uh, being used mightily by the Lord. And that leads us to our first point, is that you are Corinth bound. Read with me in verse 1. After these things, he left Athens and went to Corinth. Uh, Paul gave his famous speech at Mars Hill that Areopagus, uh, men of Athens, I observe you to be very religious in all respects. Some of you guys have been overseas on the Greece Summer Project. You've seen that place. I really want to see that place someday, but you've seen that place. And you guys are going from the university setting of College Station. You're going into a Corinthian world of today. That's where you are. You're leaving Bryan College Station and you're going into the Corinthian world of today. So whether that's Houston or Dallas or wherever, that's where you're going. And there are two things that I think we can get from the Corinthian of Corinth of that day. And the first thing is they had the temple of Aphrodite. And in that temple, they worshipped love and sex. And there was hundreds, maybe even thousands of temple prostitutes there. And the same is true for today in America. We, are, our culture is full of sexuality. We've twisted it so much and it's become such a burden on so many people and we're addicted to it. Um, we've, we've lost the sight of what true, what true sex is. The second thing is, is that Corinth was a major trading center of Greece and Rome, Acacia. And you're about to go into that world, and our world is focused on money. America, we always talk about money. We look at the stocks, and my stocks are always going lower, but it's all right. Um, but we, uh, we're, you're going into a world that's in love with money. Titus uh, gave a great uh, sermon last Sunday about uh, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of man. And Paul gives us, I think he gives us some great peace um, in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians. If you guys could read with me, starting in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 2. And he came to you, brethren, and I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. I mean, that's, that's pretty encouraging. Paul, the, the great uh, missionary, he was nervous before he went into the Corinthian world. And the same as you're probably nervous, even, even you brave guys, you need to have some, you probably have some fear. And Paul went in by walking by the Spirit. He used, he, he preached, and he shared the gospel by the power of the Spirit. I think that's really cool. You can just imagine the courage it must have taken for him to go into that hostile place, hostile to the gospel, hostile to Christianity. So you guys left Athens. You guys left. You're about to leave Bryan College Station. You're about to go in the Corinthian world. So you are Corinth bound, but you are also 
career bounce. Read with me in verses 2 and 3. Uh, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, and they were working, for by trade they were tent makers. Paul had two trades. The first one was that he was a Pharisee, he was a priest, and the second, he was a tent maker or a leather worker. My brother Jason, he um, actually in college worked with leather. That was kind of like his hobby. And this Bible cover right here is one of his best works. And you can, um, just it's such a hard material to work with, so you can imagine Paul's hands just being really like strong and tough and calloused. And it's really cool to think about. But that was his job. That's the way he provided for himself. And each one of you guys are going to have trades. And I hope you guys don't ever get caught in the lie that work is evil because it's not. It's really good. God created it for us in Genesis. Um, we find Genesis that God wanted Adam and Eve to, to rule over the animals and over the earth and subdue it. And it's not evil. It's designed to be good. Um, this is a great passage, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. So you guys can start changing your mindset right now. Pray right now that your mindset would be changed, that you're doing your work to bring glory to God, honor to God. But there there have been two fantastic sermons by Trey this year. One was on work. It was last fall. And there was one on money this uh, this past spring. And I encourage you guys to podcast them if you want a further in-depth study of that. Um, Another thing is be careful with your finances. Don't love money because it is the root of all sorts of evil. It's not the root of all evil. It's the root of all sorts of evil. And two of my uh, good friends, uh, best friends in college, they're having great careers right now. One works in Dallas, one works in Austin, and the way they keep for not being tied down to money, not being hoarding it, is that they give it away. They want to see the kingdom furthered, so they support me, and it's a really encouraging way to do that. We find these two characters, Priscilla and Aquila. Paul brings them along later in his missionary journey, and he finds them in his work, and he brings them to Ephesus, and he does missionary work with them, and so can you, which leads us to our third point is that you are missionary-bound, verses 4 and 5. And he was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. But when Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, Paul began devoting himself completely to the word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. So work is good. Proclaim Christ well with your words and your actions and believe you are sent. Um, My good friend who works down in Houston, he's uh, meeting with this guy, who doesn't? Who probably does know the Lord, but he's walking in sin. So my buddy eats lunch with them, shows them the love of Christ. And I think a lot of you guys, when you go in the workplace, especially in Texas, you're going to meet people that do know the Lord, but just have walked away. And you're also going to meet a lot of unbelievers as well. And my buddy, um, he's just encouraging his friend, his, his coworker, to come back and just sharing like why he walks a certain way, why he believes in certain values, why he believes in certain things. And it's really cool, and so can you. In regards to winning people to Christ, sharing the gospel with them, Paul did it by reasoning, persuading by the Spirit. And uh, just don't, I want to remind you guys, don't get caught up in the peripheral things. The problem with people is with Jesus. That's who they have a problem with. How could Jesus be God and man? How can he just not be God, or how can he just not be man? How could he be God and man and one? And that's where it is. Don't get caught up in the peripheral things. Just focus on Jesus. Focus on bringing that up. The Great Commission. Many of you guys have heard it. We share it all the time in this church. And Jesus came up to him and spoke to him, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. 
Bill Hybels, a famous pastor in Chicago, he wrote a book called Just uh, Walk Across the Room. In the, story, in the book, he gives a story of a, a couple that starts a softball league, and it's a, it's a great duality. They get exercise and recreation, but also they use it to be their missionary outreach. They bring their whole neighborhood in, they get every couple, and they play this, have this awesome organized softball league, and the and Lord uses that to bring many people to Christ. I'm actually on a a city league soccer team called the Laser Cats. You've probably heard of us. No, you haven't. So, it's a, <laughs> but uh, we're pretty good. Um, we did we did all right. Um, but we, we're doing the best we can. But it's such a great it's a great witness tool for us because most of us are working in the church right now. Most of the team we work and serve at Grace, so we don't have as many opportunities to go and meet unbelievers um, like you guys do. We're usually serving believers, so it's a great way for us to maybe have doors to share the gospel. We can minister by just our actions, the way we play, the way we respect the referee. And I hope in the spring and fall, God would just open up doors. And prayerfully, God would just open up doors for us to share the gospel and we can bring people to Christ. So as you embark on this journey, you are Corinth bound, you are career bound, you are missionary bound. But you need to have some expectations. And the first one is expect frustration. Verses 6 and 7. But when they resisted and blasphemed, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justice, a worshiper of God, whose house was next to the synagogue. Not everyone you share the gospel with will be uh, receptive to hearing it. If you've ever gone out on campus or gone overseas, you've probably gotten rejected once or twice. It's pretty painful, and you feel... Just like, what just happened? I, I thought this was supposed to be easy. It's not, but um, you will get people who reject you. But don't do what Paul did. Um, Paul screamed and said, your blood be on your own head. I'm not sure if that was the best like, thing to say to the people you're trying to minister to. Uh, remember that the book of Acts is descriptive, not prescriptive. If one shuts down, proclaim the gospel elsewhere. So if you're in a workplace, if someone's like, no, I don't want to deal with that, go meet some new people, share the gospel elsewhere. You may face other kinds of frustrations. Blake Jennings reminded uh, me of this last Sunday at the senior lunch and is comparing Grace Bible Church to other churches in other cities where you go. Man, if they don't teach like Trey, if they don't teach like Blake, man, I'm not going to go to that church. And I I think that's kind of selfish, to be honest. Um, You guys need to be plugged in church after college. And don't worry about these small little things. Focus on the big things. Focus on you know, who they say God is, who is, what is the gospel? Do they believe that the Bible is the authority of all scriptures that God breathed? Is it just partially? Um, you need to look into those things. You need to find those things, and, and you may have to settle down. You may have to compromise a little bit, but you should get plugged in. Oftentimes, students, just right here, seniors, we go on a 10-year break, and we just do our thing. We never get plugged in. And what brings people back to church after 10 years? Babies, yeah, babies, they keep coming back. So the babies bring them back to church, and they're in over their heads. They're tired of uh, changing diapers. They're tired of staying up all night, and they go run back to God. And I just don't want you guys to do that. Get plugged in right after you get to church. Secondly, expect that the Lord is working, verses 8 through 11. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, believes in the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians, when they had heard, were believing and being baptized. And the Lord said to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. For I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in the city. And he settled there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Christmas, the rabbi, comes into the Lord. Paul, we find out, baptizes him in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
And it's really cool. God reminds Paul that his elect, his chosen people in the city, keep on preaching. I'm with you, bro. I'm here for you. And the same is true for you today. You seniors, God is with you wherever you go. And you juniors, God is with you. You sophomores, God is with you. And you freshmen, God is always with you. Verse 11, I think it's my favorite verse of the, uh, the whole passage. I'm going to read it again. He settled there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. So more than likely, you guys all are going to be Corinth bound. You're going to have a career. You're missionary bound. You're going to get frustrated along the way. But, man, I encourage you guys to give your life over to God right now. Every place you go to, you're going to move from one place to the other. Paul stayed there a year and six months. Man, give every segment of your life to God. Imagine what the Lord could do through you if you just ask God to, to work through you. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. And so that when you're, man, when you're 90 and you're with your wife and you're sitting on your rocking chair eating applesauce, um, you can just like, you can look back and um, you can build a map. You just get a map out and you can get a Sharpie and some post-it notes and man, you can make your own missionary journey just like Paul did in a second missionary journey. You could draw one city to the next and maybe you'll just be in Texas, maybe it'll be over America or the world, but you can draw a Sharpie with a nice ruler and just connect the dots and you can put a post-it note next to each city and write down all that God's done in your life. And uh, we're actually going to have an opportunity to hear um, two of our seniors um, in the Southwood College class, and they're going to come share their testimonies and their stay, their time here at, uh, at Texas A&M. So let's pray. Uh, gracious Lord, thank you so much for everything you've given us, Lord. And I just pray for Keaton and Hillary as they come up, Lord, that you would uh, just be with them and, uh, and speak through them. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello. My fellowship team is sitting right in the front row. That's pretty cool. But my name is Keaton Adamson, and I am a senior international studies major at good old Texas A&M. And basically, I'm just I'm going to try to get through this as briefly as possible. But I, I just picked out kind of three verses, and at the end, I have three points that are just kind of tangible pieces of advice that I was given all throughout my four years, and that I've seen growth in, and the Lord's just done good things. And so we'll see what happens. Just bear with me. Okay, my first verse I've chosen today is Colossians 1.17, and it says, And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know, the, the way I see college now, it's just like a big, it's a big old sandbox, right? You know, as kids, as kids, uh, we go to the sandbox, and so we can try out new tricks, and we can jump up and down, and we fall, right? It doesn't hurt. It's sand. It's soft. So we can experiment and try th- new things. And I think the world has kind of portrayed college that way. as just a big old sandbox. You can kind of go into college and do whatever you want. You can fall down. You can get, get right back up because you don't, you're not like an official adult yet, I guess, because you're under your parents' financial security blanket. And the society has also given us room to do that because they've portrayed college as this time of experimentation. And whether that's good or bad, that's what it is. And so with that said in college, a lot of times we find ourselves kind of at the, the end of all things, we, we find ourselves kind of broken and in pieces, and things fall apart a lot of the time, at least for me, I don't know about you, but a lot of the times I felt most comfortable in college is when I could say to the Lord, God, I don't have it all together, but I, I believe that Colossians one seventeen, when you say, Jesus, you have all, uh, he holds all things together, I believe that's true. And so in college, one of the, some of the most beautiful moments I think we can have as Christians is when we admit to Jesus is we don't have it all together. I'm, I am worried about that final, and I am worried about telling my parents I flunked the class again, and I am worried about what I'm going to do this summer. And 
like Roger said, everything was just awesome. I was just amening him in my head when he was talking. But guys, this verse is true. If you believe the Bible is true, this verse is true. It says he holds all things together, and he is the ultimate everything. He, he can put you back together again. He holds you together. If you believe that he holds everything around you together, surely he can handle your life. And so I would encourage you to look over that verse for yourself and, and see how it plays out every single day of your life. Because if he doesn't hold you together, then good luck. Because Jesus does. He holds everything together. My next verse is probably a lot of the same verse for y'all when y'all came to college. It was a big pump-up verse for me. Delight yourself in the, Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I love analogies. I'm sorry. But when I, when I see this verse, I picture myself going to the dry cleaners. And uh, <laughs> you know that thing that goes around with your, your shirts? Well, that, it's, it's, the, it's the same thing for this verse in me. It's just constantly... I'm Keaton. I'm here. I have, sometimes I have a lot of selfish desires, like all the time. Jesus is over there. He has godly desires, and they just keep kind of flowing through like this. And God's like, hey, you know, Keaton, that's a good idea, but this one's better. Like, try this. Um, I have something great in store for you. And this has played out in my life a couple different ways. I'm sorry I'm talking really fast, but I got five minutes. Coming into college, I was standing in, on my last mission trip in high school, I was in Austria, and I had been on this trip a little before, and the Lord had kind of shoved me into that as well. I couldn't have told you where Austria was my, my freshman year in, in high school. I thought it was Australia. And so I was standing in Austria, and guys, I didn't want to leave. You know why? Because I didn't get into A&M, and I didn't want to go back to America. I just wanted to sit there in a little ball and never go back. I'm like, y'all leave. I'll just turn in my plane ticket. I'll, I'll live off that money here. And uh, so... My friend told me this verse, Psalm 37, 4, and I'm like, that's awesome. Maybe I should go back and try to get into A&M, and I did, and he got me into A&M, and it was awesome, and uh, no regrets, <laughs> and I can't imagine what I would be like still over there, and, um, and so I, I go through college, and I'm like, God, I, I want to be here, but I want to do something that maybe you could use after, and that uh, I, I would actually go to class for, and so I found this, this major called International Studies, and it was awesome, and I got to learn a language. German or try. And I said, God, I remember the first semester. I'm like, God, if you can just get me a seat in this 101, I know this is something from you because this is really hard. And I got two C's the first semester and then I gradually got better. It was awesome. And so I did that and the Lord was faithful there. Um, and I was just trying my best to light myself in the Lord. I knew he was, he was going to show me the way um, because he has a plan. And so the end of my first year happens and I'm at a, another crossroads and I could have gone back to Ditton, my hometown. That would have been safe. And that's my plan. That's what I wanted. That was one of my desires. The Lord said, uh-uh. And he just turned on that conveyor belt. And he said, no, no, no. The VA, uh, Virginia, I have VA written down. Virginia is calling Keaton. The soil is good there. Not there. Actually, do have good soil. There's a reason they to plant a tobacco there. But <laughs> spiritual soil. Spiritual soil. And he said, Keaton, I need you to go there. I have... You could go to Ditton, but there's so much more in store for you. I, I want you in Virginia. Will you, will you follow me there? I need you there. And I, um, I'm so glad I said yes, because I, um, I had some of the best two summers of my, of my life there, and, and just in ministry and, and learning and do, uh, making mistakes and learning. And I still call some, some of the guys there I pursued in a discipleship relationship. I still call them every week. Um, just because we're, we're, we have that bond now, and we've been through so much together, and I just thank the Lord for that time. And I would have never have done that if I would have just been stuck in my own way and not realized about Psalm 37.4 is true. And finally, that at the end of college, now I'm at another crossroads, and I remember talking to someone in November, and 
kind of telling my plans. Maybe I, I kind of wanted to go back to Virginia. I thought, that looks good. Like, there's still, a lot of the students are still there. This looks safe. I know them. And he presented something else. He said, you know what? We have an internship program here. And maybe you, should, maybe you should try that. Like, maybe you should pray about that and apply if that's something you want to do. And so that was kind of from left field. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is something I could do. That would be awesome. And so I started praying about it, and I applied, and I got accepted. And it just happened so fast. It was like just from here to here really fast. And, and so I will be an intern here for college in, in the fall next year. And so you will see me. I just want to tell you, you will see me around. I'm not um, – that is happening. Um, and I'm excited for that opportunity, just like I was excited to go to Virginia. And I never would have had this opportunity and, and thought about it if it wasn't remembering Psalm 37 4 and Lord showing me a new, a new way, saying, like, look, Keaton, maybe your desire to go to Virginia is good, but this, I, I want you to stay here. This is really cool, too. So just, just follow me and trust me. It's like, yes, Lord. Okay, and so the last, I have three, uh, three, I have a lot of threes in this, three practical pieces of advice. And I loved the last two weeks planning for this because I was just trying to think of like, what should I, what should I tell them? Like, I have, I have nothing. The first one is, is the, what you hear a lot. It's get plugged in. But I'm going to take it one step further. Yes, get plugged into small groups. We, we preach that a lot here at Grace because it's true. You need to get plugged into small groups. And that's where all of the growth can happen. And that's where I found growth when I've been in Grace. I was in um, uh, Dulos and then the other one after that, growth group. And then I got to lead Essentials and then Fellowship Team this year. And it's been awesome. And uh, I don't regret that at all. And I also want to take that one step further and say, if you get the opportunity to lead in any kind of organization, uh, maybe you're in your fraternity or sorority, Bible study, or even at Grace, if you get asked to lead, I would highly consider that. Because for me, it was like night and day, being a participant in a Bible study, and then having to actually plan, and then pray for your group, and then try to think of a way to present the Bible to them, and and, and fill out the study. It just was, it was like night and day. It was a huge change, and the Lord really worked in my life. So I want to encourage you to do that. And if you aren't plugged into a church, please plug into a church, because you are the church. Um, Lecrae, we are the church, baby. So um, <laughs> this is the church. You're, this is right. Like, this is what God wants. Like, you are the church. You make up the church. And if you don't come, then I don't know. So um, please get plugged into a church and... Um, you wouldn't jump into a lake that's, that's dirty and has one river coming into it and nothing, no groundwater going out. You've heard this analogy before. But you would jump into a lake that has a huge glacier water coming in and streams going out with fish living in it. And, and it, like, because it's clean, it's living, there's life there. And so please be like that lake that has, that has people pouring into them. Or my, my point of that is you need to be discipling someone. I'm sorry. So... <laughs> You're told, I just, I just want to say that real fast, that analogy, I got too excited. Um, you're told a lot, guys, you need to find an older person to disciple you. Amen. That's true. I'm not saying that's not true. But I want to take that one step further and say, once you find that person, look around and find someone that doesn't even have to be younger than you. I don't know. You just pray for it, and you look for someone that wants to be discipled. And you say, hey, maybe I should meet up with you once every two weeks and see what the Lord will do there. And that's the back to the lake analogy. Is this, you, you have this, this stream coming in, and then just rivers going out, and that's, that's a good living lake. The rest of your life, we should be doing that. The second one is <laughs> very practical. Take walks alone. Uh, the, I was told this my sophomore year. I know that sounds kind of like, what did you say? But uh, I, the, some of the, really cool moments in my life is when I would just kind of get away from it all, if you're, especially if you're around roommates all, all the time, just getting, taking a walk outside during the day or at night. And just giving that time to the Lord. 
And sometimes I would walk and it would just be silent inwardly and outwardly. And I would just kind of reflect on all that's going on. If I'm going to pass this class or what's going to happen this summer. And I would just give that to the Lord. And other times I would talk a lot out loud. And I would just kind of pray to God. And so I don't know what it looks like for you. I'm just saying that it really helped me dedicating some time to the Lord. Where I would just get away. And I don't know if that looks like for you. But I would just, I would highly encourage that. And, um... Yeah, I think it'll be awesome. So just try to do that. And uh, my last piece of advice, number three, is let God's word be your bread and butter. I didn't know any other way to say that than let this be your bread and butter, meaning you need to rely on this and get in this daily. And you need to take God at his word and let it, I don't know how to say it, let it be your bread and butter. Like this is your go-to, right? This is your go-to. If you believe this and everything I've said um has to be true. The Colossians one seventeen, Psalm story seven four. You need to believe that um, you need to be in this and walking in this, and uh, daily. And I know that gets said a lot, but you, we have to say it because it's so important. And it's uh, this is, gives you life, and this connects you to this God, and it, it's it's God speaking to us, and it's it's perfect. And in order to shine, we must like we've been reading in Philippians. Philippians has been a great study. In order to shine, we need to be we need to be in this, like Roger's been saying, in the Word. And so I want to finish with one last verse, my third verse, if you mean counting. And it's the perfect way, I thought, just to wrap up my college career. And yeah, it's uh, Psalms 115.3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And as I look back, now it sounds like a graduation speech. As I look back at my time at a and <laughs> I, I remember this verse, Psalms 115.3. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. And it's crazy, despite me. God has done all that he's pleased through me these last four years. And so that's comforting. And I had no clue when I was a freshman sitting back there alone, I would be an intern next year. He's given me that opportunity. and I'm thrilled. Or yes, so I'm just really thrilled. And that's um, all I have to say about that. And now Hillary is coming up. Hey. I'm Hillary, and after I graduate, I'm going to teach elementary school. And um, I actually didn't even know I wanted to do that until this past spring break. And just lots of things clicked, and I realized, hey, I want to teach little kids, and I want to make them feel important and smart and confident so that they can just start their academic careers on the right foot. And uh, yeah, so that's what I'm going to do. And I grew up knowing about the Lord, but it wasn't until the end of my sophomore year here at A&M that I made the decision to walk with God and let my faith in the gospel impact the way that I lived. One of the first lessons that God taught me in walking with Him is the importance of community. And if you're not really sure what community is, I know we say that word a lot, but sometimes I, I know I didn't know what it meant. It's it's basically just the people that you grow closer to the Lord with and that help you grow closer to the Lord. So that's community. But God taught me the importance of it because um, when I first started walking with him, I didn't have any community. And um, as far as I knew, none of the girls around me, none of the girls in my circle of friends had made this decision to walk with the Lord. So 
I didn't have anyone to grow with. And I expected all of these um, major changes to happen in my life. I expected habits to be broken. I expected to have all of this love and wisdom for other people just like flowing out of me all the time. And that didn't happen. And I was so frustrated. And I felt like I had all of this eagerness to grow and to learn. But I, it was like building up inside me. But I had nothing to do with it. I didn't know where to go with it because I didn't have people encouraging me and showing me um, how to study my Bible and um, just how to even pray, really. So, so yeah, God taught me the importance of community. Eventually, he led me to join a Bible study, kind of like Keaton was talking about. He led me to join a growth group at Grace. And here is where I met girls that taught me how to study the Bible and taught me how to grow closer to the Lord. And it was... It was really blessed time, and um, I guess just like relating this to you guys, if you've made the decision to walk with the Lord, but you're not having all these like major changes happen in your life, don't feel like God doesn't love you enough to change you. Don't feel like that. Pray for community and join a Bible study or do something that gets you involved with people that are going to help you grow closer to the Lord. I'm not saying to only spend time with people who are walking with God, but I am saying that if you don't spend time with anyone who is walking with the Lord, then it's going to be really hard for you to grow. There's two other, I guess, like major nuggets of wisdom (laughs) that God taught me through college that have really impacted my life. The first one is um, ask yourself why. Check your motives behind your words and actions. So, for example, ask yourself, why am I applying for this organization? Is it because you really care about the organization? Or is it because you want to be associated with those people? Or is it because it's just the next step to do that? So ask yourself, why? And then ask yourself questions like, why did I say that rude thing to that person today? What is it that made me say that? Ask yourself, why am I apologizing to this person for saying that? You know, is it because you hurt them and you're truly sorry? Or is it because you want to look humble in front of other people or because you don't want them to be mad at you? Ask yourself why. And even ask yourself if the decisions that you make are what the Lord wants from you. God wants us to bring our our desires before Him and, yeah, make decisions before your Father and question your motives for it. This will also make your words and in your actions a lot more thoughtful because, hey, thinking of your motives, you are um, making your actions more thoughtful already. And also the lessons that you learn from doing this are going to be really valuable and they will be really impactful on your life. Also, be honest with yourself in this whole process because if you're not, then it's just a waste of your time. So be honest with yourself when you're checking your motives. And the second little nugget of wisdom is to be real with people. And I know this sounds really vague, but what what I mean by this is um, know that you're not perfect and the people in your life aren't perfect. We are all sinful. We all do things for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives, and we all have nastiness in our hearts. So the reason I'm saying this is that when you know this about yourself— And other people, you don't have to put up a front anymore. You're free from putting up a front. You can experience freedom from guilt, freedom from feeling judged, and freedom from even even judging other people. Know that you aren't perfect, but also don't be content with that. Don't be complacent about not being perfect. Admit when you've done something wrong and apologize if you mean it. And then this is when you learn from your mistakes, when you're acknowledging them. And this is when we become more like Christ and 
this is when we can really experience God's grace for us because we're recognizing our sins and we're recognizing that he still loves us when we sin on accident and when we sin on purpose. So um, there's so much freedom that comes from just letting your guard down about being a sinner. And there's so much freedom that comes from desiring to overcome your sin and working towards that. This is when real healing and real peace can fill your heart. Then finally, I just want to give you a scenario. It it helps me a lot of times whenever I can see, okay, how did that a person apply that to their life? So how can I apply that to my life? So I want to give you a scenario where all three of these little lessons take place. The other night, I was talking with a couple of friends who I would consider to be in my community, and I said something that was pretty rude, and even though my friends moved on in the conversation and they moved past it, I knew that what I had said was wrong. And so right then and there, I asked myself, I was like, Hillary, why did you say that? What is it that made you say that? And being honest with myself, I knew that I had said that out of jealousy. And so I just admitted to my friends, I said, hey guys... I'm so sorry I said that. I said it out of jealousy, and will you please forgive me? And they said, yeah, Hillary, it wasn't really cool that you said that, but, but um, you know, we forgive you. And there's so much freedom that comes from that, guys. They acknowledged that I'd sinned, and they forgave me, and it was so liberating because I didn't have to live in the guilt of what I had said past that moment, and I didn't have to fear that my friends were judging me, you know? I didn't have to think, oh, I wonder what they're thinking about me. Because they told me. They said, yeah, we know you've sinned, but now let's move on. So just a little scenario of how all this can be applied. And, And that was just an example of God's grace being acted out through those two girls. It was nice. So to sum it up, find people to grow with. Question your motives and be real with yourself and the people in your life. Maybe this summer one of these things will pop into your thoughts, and I challenge you to try it out and apply it. Also, if you have any questions about anything I said, ask me. I'll be around next year getting my teaching certificate, and I would love to talk to you. So, thanks. Well, let's give it up for Keaton and uh, Hillary again one more time. Oh, sorry about that. You're good. Um, would you guys uh, bow your heads with me? Uh, gracious Lord, thank you so much for this uh, wonderful year, Lord. Um, I thank you for all that you've done, Lord. Um, God, I just thank you for Keaton Hillary's um, words. They were just so wise, and they were good, and they were, they were from you, Lord. God, I just want to lift up um, the seniors as they go forth, Lord. I pray that you'd uh, be with them, God. I pray that you'd use them to further your kingdom, Lord. Let them be lights in their, their offices or workplace or ministry, wherever they go, Lord. I pray for the, uh, the missionaries that are going out this summer, the summer project missionaries. You'd be with them. And I pray for all the guys or camp counselors that you'd uh, work through them as well. pray for the summer schoolers that you'd help them be diligent in their studies. And uh, Lord, thank you so much for everything you've given us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. In Jesus' name. Hey, guys, that's it. You're dismissed. See you on May 27th. Thanks, guys.